Welcome back to part two of episode 50. Get your ass up and work. Slash the N-word slash sex positivity and celebrity news and all that stuff I titled it in part one. Okay. If you made it this far, thank you for checking out part two. Lately, the conversations, I've just been in a very talkative headspace and I just want to give y'all good content. This is fun, you know? So um, I hope y'all enjoy. I hope y'all enjoy part two. Um... Let's go ahead and get into it. But before we do, please spread the word about the podcast. Share that link in my profile. There's links everywhere. Apple Podcasts got a link. Spotify got a link. Radio Republic got a link. All these platforms got a link. And the only way that I will grow in this big world is if you share. So if you like it, leave me a review. If you Or tell your friend to leave a review. Tell your mama, see your sister. Y'all can all grab your phone and be like, just leave her reviews or just like her. All of us just leave her five reviews today. You know, that's how it works. You know, so if you if you like me, pour into me and I will pour into you. Alrighty. I hope you enjoy part two. Yeah, when you look at her, she doesn't read us that right. So anyways, her and Amber, her, her and Amber, Amber's a black girl. They've been having this beef in the house. It's a reality show, so... You know, on one end, you're supposed to fight. You're supposed to have conflict. That that gives ratings and views. You know, people want to see the drama. It's kind of like the Bad Girls Club Stripper Edition. That's basically what Johnson's, you know, cabaret is. Um, but basically, you know, once again, the premises of the show is she has all these girls in the house. You know, all these girls come from different backgrounds, but they usually do some type of sex work, rather it be stripping, you know, porn, um, dancing, you know, it's some type of sex work, right? All of these women do some type of sex work, um, you know, escorting and so forth. But they get the opportunity to work with Jocelyn Hernandez and develop their brand and get more opportunities and be on, on TV and, you know, be popular in the blogs and stuff and have, you know, great television, right? And build a name for themselves. Um, with all that being said, you know, the show is the show. But Black Diamond says the N-word a lot. Amber was just like, you know, can you please stop saying that? You always say that a lot. Now, Black Diamond has the best friend in the house named Raven. And Raven started attacking Amber, saying how, you know, you're trying to get her canceled. Shut the fuck up, bitch. You always talk shit. You're just looking for anything to get this girl canceled. Because, you know, her and Black Diamond have been beefing. And also Black Diamond, like, cut up her dress. Like, uh, Amber had a dress, and, like, Black Diamond uh, and Raven were speculated to actually cut the dress in the house. So they've been kind of, like, you know, attacking Amber and stuff like that, so. But Amber's not innocent either. Amber also, you know, has bullied other cast members and stuff like that, too. But in this particular case, Amber was like, you know, please stop saying the N-word because we use that a lot. And she said that in front of Jocelyn, I guess, to try to get Black Diamond, you know, reprimanded for saying the n-word black diamond was like okay well you're not going to tell me how to talk you're not going to educate me i'm going to say what i say that's how i fucking talk and she was very disrespectful very rude to amber and amber was like but you're not black like i'm a black woman bitch like you're not going to keep saying that shit you don't look like me you're not a black woman so while you might be puerto rican you don't look like me you don't live you don't live this black experience the way that i do bitch so if you're if you're puerto rican you're on the fence saying oh i'm black or whatever you don't you you don't live this like we live this right that's amber's perspective um black diamond was like okay well i'm gonna keep saying the n-word amber was like you say it again i'm gonna whip your ass long story short black diamond said it again got popped in the fucking face got hair pulled dragging out on the floor ass whipped it went viral it was a mess um (laughs) you know they were fighting and um it was a really it was it was crazy it was a really crazy fight now these two ladies in the house they've been having beef they've been wanting to fight each other they've been calling each other out for like the past two weeks on the show um you know, of course, the show was filmed like, you know, four months ago, however long ago it was filmed. So when it broke into the blogs, you know, Black Diamond turned off all of her comments on social media because she knew that people, she would receive a lot of backlash um, for saying the N-word. And, and it sparked a conversation of who could say the N-word and who can't, right? On one, you know, for me, I fully support Amber in the house, although Amber is messy as fuck and she could be on some bullshit sometimes. 
Um, there were parts of the show where Raven and Black Diamond were calling Amber Mary J. Blige. They were insulting her because, you know, she's a she's a dark-skinned Black woman and she's skinny. And, you know, she wears lashes, she wears lashes and hair and she wears wigs and do her makeup. They were, like, talking about her wig and, like, you know, calling her Mary J. Blige being shady. And I was like, that's so fucking shady to call her Mary J. Blige. Like, you guys are out of fucking line. But, you know, it's funny, right? But it's also racialized, the way that they were coming at her as a dark-skinned woman, you know? So, um... It's one of those things where you see these, and, and, and Black Diamond and Raven, they look racially ambiguous, right? So they're saying all this crazy shit to her. And it's Zeus Network. You know, Zeus Network is trash TV. It is. It's trash fucking TV. You know, everybody wants some clout. Everyone wants to be famous. So, you know, you'll get on there, you'll show your ass, you'll fight on TV, pull a bitch's hair out. You know, we all know how reality TV works. You, know, you, you get on camera, you know, you, you start a fight with somebody. Oh, oh, you said this about my baby daddy or or you like this status. I'm I'm, I'm a whip your A. Throw a drink at a girl, pull her hair, fall off. Security, you know, security can break up the fight. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's good. You know, it's, it's entertaining for the people who want to watch, right? So um, for you people who judge people who watch reality TV, shut the hell up, okay? Because it's entertaining sometimes, okay? I know that it's problematic. I do. But, you know, it's entertaining. Everybody chooses what they want to watch and so forth, okay? That doesn't make anyone less of a person because they watch reality TV. Stop being fucking judgmental and bougie, okay? Anywho, um... With all that being said, back to the N-word. So it sparked this whole debate about who can use the N-word or not. And here's the thing that, that, you know, me and my friends were talking about this. You know, people in the comments talking about this online. And, you know, Puerto Rican people, they they, they tend, not all of them, I, I'm not going to generalize, but I have met Puerto Rican people um, who, they, 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 they play the fence with blackness. So they, they claim that they're blackness. And if you're a Puerto Rican listening, don't be offended. Okay, if you don't do it, you don't fucking do it. But, you know, don't be fucking offended, okay? But Puerto Rican people do do that, where they they toe the fence on blackness. Oh, I'm not black, I'm Puerto Rican. You know, or, oh, I'm not this, I'm not, I'm different, right? Or And they'll claim black when it's convenient for them in that moment. But outside of that, they're trying to get far away from blackness as much as possible. So if you bring up, if you bring up a conversation to them about how historically they are close, you know, like historically as far as like slavery and things like that and the, um, the, the, the Atlantic slave trade and so forth, and, you know, what occurred, how Puerto Ricans, um, you know, intermingle with the blacks, therefore they do have that within their genealogy and so forth, right? That is, that is a convert that is that's that's something that is a fact and a lot of puerto ricans they they become so irate when people label them as black they're like i am not black they want to get away from that because they don't want to be looked at as black and deal with that black struggle of not being privileged you know because most puerto ricans tend to be lighter right they tend to be lighter and more um they tend to be lighter and more societally societally uh, deemed attractive due to their features you know based off of society standards of beauty you know what i mean so with all that being said, Puerto Rican people do tend to toe the line of who could use the uh, of saying the N word when they want to say it, and, and when they're called out on it, they get all defensive and stuff and so forth. And but it's like, okay, but I thought you weren't black, but now you're black. You know, so what the fuck are you? Are you either down or not, bitch? Because you can't you you can't keep claiming, oh, I have the struggle like you, but then when push comes to shove, when it comes to job application, you're not putting that you black on the fucking application. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not putting that you're black on there. You know, you're you're not you're not you're not owning up to your to who you are. You're only doing it when you're with black people and, and you want to be cute, you want to be down in front of your friends and shit like that. That's when you want to use the N word and get ratchet and get ghetto or whatever you want to fucking call it. But however you think black people act or you want to be street, you want to be hood when it's convenient to you you get me so that you know this brings the conversation of how of how non-black people who are not visibly black right they're not visibly black meaning that they don't really read as black they read as ambiguous or they don't or they don't look black at all they might look like latinx or look like something else it you know it brings the conversation of how they toe the line on on performing blackness and what that looks like and and using it as as the thing of like you know, I'm only black when it's, when it's fun, right? But but you're not black when we're really out here getting fucking killed and actually struggling. You know, out here trying to fucking work as a black person and you deal with people. And, you know, when the fight happened, by the way, let's get back to the fight. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. Let's get back to the fight. So when the fight happened, um, Black Diamond got her ass beat. You know, uh, Amber jumped on her. They were pulling hair. Um, the security got in the way, and then Jocelyn was like, let them host fight. You know, Jocelyn is fucking crazy. She was like, let them fight. Because <laughs> Jocelyn, she was like, I kind of agree with you, so let them fight. So, um, 
But Amber got her on the ground, punched her all in the head. It was a fucking mess. Anyways, Black Diamond got up off the ground and she got away. She got away from Amber and she made sure security was between them. And then she said the M word again because, you know, she got her ass beat. So I guess she was embarrassed because she, because, you know, Amber snatched her up. Amber got a hold of her and just snatched her. Go watch a child on Zeus Network. It's $5 a month. Um, you know, you know, but Amber snatched, Amber snatched her up. You know, I don't condone violence, but, you know, Amber snatched her up. And, you know, my whole thing is, like, people come from different backgrounds. You know, you, you got to be careful of what you say to people because, you know, people, you know, sometimes people don't play. You know, they'll, they'll catch you outside and mobby wop you real quick. You know what I mean? So it's like, you, you got to be careful if you're trying to use the N-word. You're trying to, you're trying to be all street and stuff like that. And then when somebody come up and press you, you want to you wanna, you wanna run and cry. And, and, and then when you get far away, you want to say the N-word again to add insult to injury. So, you know, so Black Diamond got up and said the N-word again, and then Amber started crying. She started crying, and she went outside, and she was like, you know, it's so, like, you know, these other girls don't know what we go through as Black girls. These other girls, who are not Black, they don't know what we go through when we, when you're a Black woman, and you're, you're actually a dark-skinned Black woman, too. They don't know how hard it is. It, it affects you in every area of your life. People, people call you a man. People say that you're not beautiful. This is not what she said, but she said something around this lines, and I'm adding shit to it, too. From my personal experience as a dark-skinned, you know, black woman, black trans woman as well, you know, people read you as aggressive when you say stuff, and you're not being aggressive, but because of how you look, they they they're on defense because they're so used to that angry black woman stereotype. So whenever you say something, right, they're they're always on guard. Whenever you get a little um, irritated, or you can't you can't just be a person sometimes as a black woman. Like it feels like you have to be super perfect and delicate as a black woman, especially if you're dark. Like in order to get in the room, you have to be, you have to like kind of prove your femininity. And it's like the moment that you show a little bit of other sides of you, rather you're irritated or rather you're upset, even if you're calmly upset, people will label you as aggressive. People will not want to work with you. People will fucking block you. People will say that you're a bitch. And, you know, so Amber was talking about that because she used to be a waitress before the show. And she was saying how, you know, I was one of one of the only black girls being a waiter at, at a restaurant I worked for and a bartender. And um, you know, they wouldn't give me tips. The managers would make it hard for me, and they would prioritize tips to the white girls, you know, the white staff members and stuff like that. And it was she was like she was just saying how hard it is, like, like these other women don't know how hard it is and what we go through in this country for the skin tone that we have. And even to this day, colorism is still real, right? So, you know, Amber had a moment of of showing colorism and how it works and the N-word and so forth. It sparked great conversation for a crazy ass, ratchet ass, dumb ass reality show, you get me? You know, it it sparked conversation of who could use the N-word or not. But, you know, when I saw that, you know, I was just like, wow, it's true though. Because, you know, even if I, like for me, just having, working, right? Working a nine to five, trying to develop some type of fucking career, trying to pay bills, you know, going to college and stuff like that, I feel that a lot of the experiences I went through happened to me. Um, I don't want to say happened to me because I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be no victim now. I don't, I'm not trying to be somebody who's like, oh my god, I'm just some victim. I don't ever want to operate in that framework of, oh, I'm a victim. Everything happened to me because I'm dark skin. No, what I'm saying is that it is hard though. People purposely block you because you don't fit the image that they have. You don't fit the image that they fucking have. They don't want to work with you. You know, and in my case, you know, I'm a black person and I'm trans. So when I come through the door, I read as a black woman, but when people find out I'm trans, that brings up a whole nother fucking can of worms for some people who feel uncomfortable with that, who don't respect me as a woman, right? And you know, the, and and I can't wait to talk about this talk about this when I talk about sex positivity later. But um it, it brings up something for me where, you know, it, it, it is hard, you know, for a black woman and stuff like that. And, you know, but for me, I try not to make excuses per se, but I also understand how it is harder for me. Um, I mean, even even when it comes to this industry bullshit, right? Like me, me trying for the past 10, 12 years to actually have a career in the industry, putting out podcasts, putting out blogs, not getting good internships. Every time I did an internship, people did not want to follow up with me and actually help me get connected, right? Um, 
people wrote me off. You know, people would take my work. I would do all this work for free and not get paid. And then other people and other companies would benefit from the work that I fucking did, right? And there are times where I often think to myself, I'm just like, damn, is, is it because of my skin tone? Like, what if I was a white chick? Like, or, or what if I was a Latina girl? Or what if I was a black girl who was light-skinned? I have had those thoughts before. Not, and I love my skin tone. I love, I love me. I'm a very confident person. But what I'm saying is that I have been in situations where you see someone else who doesn't look like you. They get through the door. They get through the door. That's all I got to say on that. And it's true. And, you know, looks do help. You know, uh, there is some privilege in being lighter. There is some privilege in being biracial and mixed. Not taken away from the struggle that they fucking have, but we do not have the same struggle. And, you know, there's truth in these things, right? I mean, and I'm not saying that from a hateful space because, you know, sometimes when people hear black women talk like this, they be like, oh my God, you're jealous, you're hateful. No, I'm not fucking hateful. We're fucking real. The shit happens. Be accountable for your fucking options. You know, black, you know, I don't condone anyone getting popped. All I'm saying is that, you know, black diamond, girl, you shouldn't have talked that trash like that. You got popped. <laughs> Ooh, anyways, y'all know who can use the N-word and y'all know who can't. I can't believe we're still having this conversation in 2022, but there are people who still use it. There are a lot of non-black, pe- non-black people who still use it. My final thought on this, though, is that there are times where I even question us as Black people, and, and I wonder if we should use it. Like, I understand that we use it in certain contexts. I understand that the N-word is used for a, a, word, of, a word of empowerment against you know, the white supremacist system that we live in and all of that. I get, I fully understand that. You know what I mean? But I often, you know, Black people have made money off of the N-word as well. Millions of dollars, right? So so when we talk about hip-hop culture and street culture and how prevalent it is, you know, hip-hop is one of the best-selling uh, music genres of the world right now, probably the number one. Rap music is the number one uh, best-selling genre right now, right? We say the N-word all the time. Of course non-Black people are going to say it. They say it all the fucking time. So there are times where I wonder if we could be mad, right? But we we, we can be mad. Oh, I don't want to get... Let me not get in trouble for saying that. But there, there are times where I... Because I, I do get mad when I'm Black say it. But what I'm saying is like there are times where I'm just like, okay, but we have celebrities who legit say this word all the time. And, it, and it's played all over the radio. It's played on TV. We say the word. So, so if we don't want them to say it, we say it and they think it's cool. They want to be so down. They want to be a part of the culture, right? Or, or they come from the hood and they're in proximity to Black people. You get me? So so. Uh, it, it, is it context? Can a white person just not say it? Can a Puerto Rican person say it? Can a Dominican person say it? Can an Afro-Latina say it? Can a Latina person say it who's not African or who, who who's not mixed? Can an Asian person say it who's from the streets, who's from the hood? Who knows? This this is a constant debate, constant debate. You know, so those are just some questions to you know tr- you know trigger our critical thinking. <laughs> Anywho, I hope I handled that well, y'all. Shit, I hope I hope I didn't say no wrong. I don't want nobody trying to be like, oh my god, her podcast. She said that cancel the bitch now. You know. Um, let's see. Uh, last topic. Nicki Minaj. So Nicki Minaj, she did an interview with Joe Budden. It was a great interview. You know, she talked about various things such as her influence, um, her influence on uh, rap music and female rappers and pop culture as a whole. Her um, her influence in fashion, her her influence in hair, um, and she also mentioned Little Kim. You know, she she gave props to Little Kim, and she talked about America. She talked about American Vogue and how it's important to have, to probably have a Black person on American Vogue. Um, and she was saying how Little Kim should have been on American Vogue and and she should have been on American Vogue as well. And she was just calling out the fashion industry and how they make it hard for Black people and, you know, how she tried to really, um, she, she did stuff in fashion with Fendi and stuff like that. And all of her fashion has sold. You know, she was like, I sell like fucking crazy. She's had lipstick deals. So she was like, you know, I could sell. I'm a big superstar. I could sell. Um, but she was just like, you know, it's just interesting how a Black woman's influence gets ignored. And she was saying how um, she also tried to work with Kanye West to do some fashion stuff with him. But he didn't want to work with her because he was concerned about how Kim Kardashian would feel. So he turned her down because she wanted to partner with Kanye West to do some type of high fashion thing. Um, 
and she called out Kanye West a little bit. She was just like, you know, I understand that he wants his wife to have priority over his name and his brand. And and if he joins partners with like a Balenciaga or whoever he joins with. But she was like, you know, I just find it funny how he was running around here saying how he really wants to be in the room as a Black person. He wants to be in a room. He has something to prove to the white fashion houses, right? I want to be in the room. I want to be in the room. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be in the room. But then when he meets a Black woman who has the same selling power as he does, um, he turned her down, right? So it's like, do you really want to help Black people or not? Or do you just want to be the only, you just want to be the only Black person, you know, who benefits in fashion and so forth, right? That's kind of what she inadvertently suggested. Um, Anywho, it was a great interview. It was more so just about Nicki Minaj's influence and her, you know, she also talked about her surgeries and why she got her surgeries done. And I was actually shocked by that because Nicki Minaj has always shied away from that or she's always like lied about it or never addressed the surgery when we all know that she's had countless surgeries done. Um, But she talked about how, you know, she was insecure um, and how Lil Wayne and, uh, you know, Gutta and all the rappers in her camp at Young Money Cash Money, you know, they would tease her and stuff like that um, because she didn't have ass. And, you know, how she wanted to look like those big booty stripper girls, you know, and how that affected her trying to be a rapper. She wanted to be sexy and sex. So we all know sex sells. I mean, he, hell, leave me with the fucking podcast. There are times where I'm like, should I take off my fucking clothes? <laughs> No, there are times where I think that, I really think that, I'm, I literally think to myself, I'm like, the only girls who make it, even the trans girls, the only trans girls who really make it are the ones who are sexy. They have sex appeal in some way, shape, or form. They're Because they're, I'm a beautiful bitch, you know what I mean? But there are times where I'm just like, do I have to be a sex kitten to get a contract? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to just be that. There's nothing wrong with being a sex kitten, by the way. But, you know, for the fact of me being a trans woman, trying to get into commentary, having dreams of sitting with certain people. Hell, one day, who knows where this podcast shit would take me? Who fucking knows? You know, we already have T.S. Madison opening doors for, for a woman like me, right? T.S. Madison has already been at the, at the breakfast. Oh, sorry. T.S. Madison has already been to the breakfast club, you know, she's already sat in certain chairs as a black trans woman, right? Janet Mock has done things as well. And for me, I'm like, damn, I would like to be a guest on the Joe Budden podcast, <laughs> although Joe Budden is a hot ass mess. You know, I was like, I wonder how it would be if, if Khalif Starks was there. You know, who knows? You, all I'm saying is that you never know where the world will take you, right? And um, there are times where I'm just like, okay, well, shit, I need, I need to get my views up. I need to get my followers up. So do I have to be more sexy? Do I have to do a photo shoot in a thong and panties and my titties out? You know, there are times where I really think that because I see so many girls who 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 are in the industry, trans girls, and they have sex appeal. You know what I mean? And I and I understand that as a woman, I could play up on that. I, I could, um, especially as a trans woman. You know, a, a, but I think a part of it. it for me, I think the reason why I struggle with that, and we'll talk about sex positivity. I, I cannot wait to talk about that with y'all tonight. Um, for me, you know, there, there's the stereotype of, of of black trans women just only, 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 only being sex workers and whores. That is something, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is something that we have had to do as as women of color who are transgender. That is something that we have had to do. There are women before me who were famous and not who have had to do that because it was hard to get a fucking job because people knew you were trans and they would fuck up your fucking life. So, you know, so let's not let all the progressive shit fool us. It's so hard out here. It is so very hard out here in these streets if you are a trans woman of color. Even if you're a white trans woman in, in certain aspects. But as, as if you're a trans woman of color, if you're, if you're black, especially black, especially, especially black child. Because the Latina girls, they get by. You know, they, they have their struggles too, but um, if you're a black girl, it's it's hard, and especially if you're dark skinned. So there have been times where I'm wondering, I'm like, damn, do, do I gotta be a little, just a little more sexy? Ain't wrong with it. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I gotta, you know, pop pop that cat online. You know, but, but then I think to myself and I'm like, you know, oh, like, I, you know, I just, I want people to respect me for my talent. I don't want people to just, I want people to hear this show, see me on camera, see my interviews and be like, damn, that bitch has something. She has something special. She has something special. 
you know, and, and I'm not, and, and by the way, as I say that, I am not shading the girls like a T.S. Madison who has done so much. I live for her. I love her and I respect everything she's done. Um, even her work as a sex worker, I respect that shit too. Like I, I fucking love T.S. Madison 10 toes down, you know, but there are times where I wonder just for the sake of like, you know, getting my fucking, my presence online increased. <laughs> I'm like, damn, do I got to take off my clothes <laughs> to get somebody to play the podcast? <laughs> So to tie that back into Nicki Minaj, um, you know, she talked about her insecurities, you know, with her looks and stuff like that. So overall, I was happy that she gave big ups to little Kim um, because that's something I'm going to be honest. Her and little Kim have had a rocky past. I am a Bart, but I'm an, I'm an objective fan. Nicki Minaj. Okay, so neither of them are innocent. Right. And I'm not going to debate about who was wrong. Both of them are wrong. Um. But Little Kim, we cannot take away from Little Kim. If there, if there, if there wasn't no Little Kim, there would not be a Nicki Minaj today. Um, and you know what I mean. And, and but you know, also Nicki Minaj, Nicki Nicki Minaj is a hallmark for female rappers. Nicki Minaj left her mark. Little Kim has also left her mark too. And and I feel that both women can exist, and we can let them breathe with the work that they've done. We already know Nicki Minaj um, is is the highest selling female rapper of all time. We already know that. Okay, so I'm not going to compare numbers per se, but I want to give Little Kim that homage and that respect because Little Kim was was that was that hip hop girl who merged high fashion with female rappers. You get me? She she, she had deals with Chanel, and you know, and uh, uh, Donna Donatella um, Versace and so forth. You know, like Little Kim has has really um, trailblazed. For, for Nicki Minaj to be here. And it's okay to say that. That's not an issue. And, and I don't even think Nicki Minaj is afraid to say that at all. You know, Nicki Minaj gave her props and was like, you know, she had influence. I also have influence too. And when you look at, um, when you look at, when you look at the girls of today, you see either her or me and those girls, right? So, you know, I think Nicki Minaj finally took somewhat of accountability. It took her years, it took her years to do it. Because she's so petty. I love Nicki. Nicki petty as fuck though. Um, it, it took her years to do it. Okay, look, I'm an objective fan. I, I'm still a Barb though, but you know, I'm fans of other people as well. So um, I love Nikki too. I, I really do love Nikki Minaj. And overall, it was a great interview, especially um, with her and Joe Budden. You know, because they had a crazy rocky last few years where they were fucking fighting back and forth online. And you know, Nikki was defending herself. And you know, I just feel like that that interview gave Nikki Minaj the 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 room to breathe and just be herself. I feel like in this interview we saw a more um, a more authentic side of Nicki Minaj. Not saying that she wasn't authentic before, but but I just think that she wouldn't take accountability. You get me? And when I say accountability, I mean for the shit that happened with Little Kim. It's like, bitch, like we all know. Like, yes, she and she did give props to Little Kim, right? But it's like you know there would be times where you would do a record and you and you would take a shot. You would do them subliminals, Nikki. You would do those subliminals. Okay. Now you know, now you know little Kim is on guard. Little Kim is like, you know, I'm the queen. You, what you gonna do, sis? Because because that's hip hop, that's rap. You know, so I get it. You know, I just, you know, it's we could we could debate about little Kim and Nikki all day. I really, really respect both ladies because I love a lot of female rap. You know, I, I love female rap. I like Megan Thee Stallion. I even I love I love Debrat. I love Eve. Um, I like Remy Ma. I like Azealia Banks. Uh, you know, who else? Um, Miss Banks is another rapper. Not Azealia Banks. It's, a, it's another female rapper named Miss Banks. Um, I, I, I really enjoy female rap as a whole. You know, it's a lot of new girls right now. We got Amaretta. So it's, it's a lot of new women um, in the game right now. So I just, I really respect it. Anyways, that's the end of this part of the show. <laughs> no more celebrity talk. Um, and now we're going to talk about sex positivity. So before I um, start with that, I want to give some definitions of what sex positivity is. So, you know, now we live in a time of sex positivity and, and you know, on, on the socials, especially, especially with the, with the feminism wave that we're in right now. I don't really know. I think this is considered the fifth or sixth wave of feminism where people are more sex positive. You know, we have the, we're in the age of the slut walk with Amber Rose and, you know, sex work being looked at in a, in a more positive light now. Sex workers um, fighting for rights and fighting for respect. And, you know, so we're, we're in a completely different ball game now with how people are viewed 
in regards to sex positivity. So I'm going to give us a few definitions to aid us in this conversation tonight. Um, let's let's look at a few of them. So from this is according to Wikipedia, but Wikipedia just says how sex positivity it it has five components um, that 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 cover every aspect of sexual identity. Um, including gender expression, orientation, your sexual orientation, um, relationships to the body, which is uh, body positivity, uh, nudity or, or choice, and then relationships to style choice, meaning like how you dress, um, and then also reproductive rights. Those are the five components of uh, sexual pos- or sex positivity, okay? Which is a movement. Um, another definition of sex positivity that I have, um, let me find another one. Here's one that I found from um, ISSM.info. Let's see what it says. And I believe this is a sexual health. This is the International Society for Sexual Health Medicine. Um, It's it's their website. So their definition, um, the term sex positive can be interpreted in different ways. For most, it involves having positive attitudes about sex and feeling comfortable with one's own sexual identity and with the sexual behaviors of others. Sex-positive people tend to have the following traits. They are open to learning more about sex and sexual activity. They try to understand their bodies, their partner's bodies, and all of the physical, emotional, and psychological aspects of involved, involved with intimacy. If they have questions about sex, they feel comfortable asking. <laughs> I love that one. The second point is they understand the importance of safe sex for both themselves and their partners. Safe sex can include discussing sexual histories, using condoms, and being tested for sexually transmitted you know, diseases like STIs and STDs like HIV and so forth. Um, it can also include emotional and psychological safety, such as supporting a partner with a sexual dysfunction or one with a history of sexual abuse or sexual trauma. Okay, the last or uh, last one is they consider sex to be a healthy part of life that should be enjoyed for sex positive people. Sex can, sex can be dis- oh, sex can be discussed without shame or awkwardness. It is not a taboo subject. So those are just some working definitions of sex positivity and and this is off the record you know i don't have any notes for this but you know i've just been thinking about about this particular um this particular concept within my own life and you know i'm a very private person i don't really like to talk to people about my sex life um unless i unless they're like my friend or like we actually like know you like that i mean even on the podcast and i know i did an episode that you all loved it's like one of my highest paid episodes it's called Love Sick and Digmatized, I think. It's one of my earlier episodes from season one, like back in 2019. And I talked about how I met this guy who had me digmatized. And I was just so open and candid about sex and people really, really liked it. Um, here's my thing. I, I do tend to be kind of private about those parts of me or kind of cautious of sharing those parts of me with people. And let me tell you why. Because um, I'm going to be honest, I, I struggle with that stereotype of, of how people look at black trans women. I struggle with that um, and how it relates to how people view me in the LGBTQ community. I'm often written off as being like this, this snooty bitch who is, who is prissy and who was approved. And, you know, I had a conversation with um, a, a a colleague, we'll call them a colleague, where they called me conservative. They were like, you know, you have all these all these rules about sex. And I was like, okay, so you're writing me off as conservative? Like, and they were like, yeah, you're conservative. Basically, like, I wasn't sex positive, right? And then another colleague said the same thing. They were like, well, you're not conservative. You are sex positive. Wait, no, they they, they, they said that they, that they thought that I was sex positive, um, but conservative. And I got frustrated with that because... Both of those people are, are are LGBTQ, you know, they're in the community. And um, I've dealt with that so much from the community of LGBTQ people where I get judged. I get judged a lot. And I, I think it's because of how I carry myself and like my expectations and how, um, and how I navigate sex and my views on sex and my views on how I play it out in my life. Um, I'm often written off as being someone who's not sex positive, right? And I, I, I even have a friend 
um, who said the same thing to me, she was like, yeah, you're not really that sex positive because you don't have sex that often. And I was like, yeah, but it's, that's not your place to say that I'm not sex positive because I don't have as much sex as you. You know, because this friend who said this to me, um, she is sex positive, you know, she's in the kink community and all that. But I, I felt some type of way when she said that because I was like, who are you to judge me on my sex life? <laughs> because you because you are within the kink community. Like I'm, I'm not within the kink community. Like I'm not into BDSM and stuff like that. Is it something I've thought about? Yes. But but currently, I'm not in the community. I'm not going to walk around and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm some badass BDSM bitch, right? But it is something that I am thinking about. Just to let y'all know, okay? How are you doing? Um, but with that all being said, <laughs> um, I, I just found myself frustrated with other LGBTQ people and queer people and even women who have shit to say about me. And I just want to say like... Other people cannot determine if you're sex positive or not. We all have our views on sex. We all have our views on what we do. How I define sex positivity and why I believe that I'm sex positive is because, you know, I let people be people. Um, If I'm having sex with you, I have conversations about STIs and STDs. I have conversations about safe sex. Uh, I believe in things like prep. You know, I believe in having conversations. I have conversations about pleasure. I practice telling men when they don't please me in the bedroom. I practice speaking up for myself because as a woman, you know, a lot of women do that, not just, you know, not just biological or cisgender women, trans women do that too, where we don't like to be pleased or we feel like, oh, there's this there's this expectation of us when we have sex. Oh my God, I have to be the woman. So, you know, I have to please my man and I, I gotta do everything in the bedroom. You know, I gotta suck it. Look, we're gonna get a little explicit, okay? Look, I look, I don't have a fucking contract yet, okay? Nobody has signed me yet, so I'm gonna be a little explicit now. I wanna suck that dick, you know, I, I wanna do this, you know, I wanna I wanna do that for my man, but he can't please me. He he can't eat my ass, you know, he can't give me head back, he can't eat me out, he can't do this, he can't do that. But I'm a woman, so I gotta please him. There are trans women who who struggle with that. Like, you know, I have to be a bottom all the time in the bedroom. He has to do all the fucking because this validates me as a woman. If if you're if you are a trans woman, you're trying to be a woman, right? So you have to play that role in the bedroom. You get me, you have to play the role of being the complete submissive in the bedroom, right? Um, in my mid to late 20s, I started, I started learning how to advocate for myself in the bedroom. And this is where my journey to sex positivity, sex positivity changed for me, changed, I'm sorry, changed for me because, hold on, let me drink some water, y'all, I'm over here talking too fast. In my mid to late 20s, I started to kind of change my perspective on sex because I realized up until that point, I was having sex that wasn't pleasing me. I was having sex with men who did not care about me, who didn't believe in my self-pleasure, who did not believe in, in, in taking care of me in the act of sex, who hurt me during sex, who um, disrespected me during sex and after sex, who said crazy shit to me, and who made me feel bad about my body and shit like that. I dealt with that in my early 20s. You get me? Um, because I was just like, and, and not not every experience in my early 20s was bad, by the way. I had good experiences too, but what I'm saying is that it wasn't until my mid-20s after I had a traumatic experience with a guy. Um, it wasn't assault or anything like that, but we had a really bad encounter sexually in which I felt disrespected by him. I felt like he, he hurt me physically, by the way. And I told him not to do something and he did it anyway and he hurt me. And it, and it caused me to be a little bit injured, you know, down there, downstairs, um, when we were having sex. And I had to, I had to like seek, like, I had to go to the doctor and everything. It was a mess. So dealing with him and dealing with that experience and dealing with men and, and how some men do not like to please. Because, you know, for me, I have sex with cisgender men. I, I like men. You get me? Um, I haven't had sex with a trans man. Um, I have not had sex with women. Um, but, you know, I'm interested in cisgender men. You know, that that's who I gravitate to sexually. That's who I like. Um, you know what I mean? So that's that's just the thing. Not so, and who knows? Shit, I might... I don't, I'm not attracted to women. I love men. And I do consider trans men to be men as well. Um, but who knows? Let's, I might meet a trans man one day and <laughs> he might be the love of my fucking life. And we might have to revisit the conversation of like, okay, how will we have sex? Because I love you. 
and, and you provide for me, you, you make me feel good as a person. Like I love you as a person and I, and I love you and we're in love. Like let's, let's say hypothetically I met a trans man and you know, let's say if he happens to be pre-op, like pre-operative and he didn't have, you know, a penis. I like penis. You know what I'm saying? Like for example, um, there are men who have dated me and they're like, you know, um, do you have a JJ? <laughs> As I have this conversation with you all, see, this is why I'd be so shy about this stuff because I want to change the narrative with us. Like, and you know, this is one of the reasons why I respect Janet Mock because Janet Mock, she, um, you know, Janet Mock puts herself out there. You know, a lot of people feel how they feel about Janet Mock. Um, she's not perfect or whatever. She said crazy shit. You know, she's not perfect. Um, I, I just, I respect the work that she does. Even if I don't agree with everything she does as a person and she has, she has, uh, that's another conversation for another day. I, I still respect the work that she has done, right? For the And what I like about Janet Mock is that she was one of those women who made me feel comfortable with expressing um, how I felt about my, my journey as, as a trans woman and taking ownership of that in my life, right? Um, another woman who I respect is uh, Diamond Styles. She's another woman who, for Black trans women, I feel like she's one of the ones who made me feel comfortable um, with expressing myself and having conversations and challenging myself and challenging the way that I think about why I transitioned and who I am as a woman. You get me? And how I can embrace me being a trans woman, right? Like, it's it's certain women like that who I gravitate to. And, and you know, I, I don't really know. Like, me and Diamond, we talk online, but I've never met her in person. She's fucking amazing. We talk online here or there. We follow each other and stuff like that. And she's great. I love Diamond Styles. Check out her podcast. It's called Marsha's Plate, by the way. She is fucking amazing. But um, I say all that to say that there are certain women who have allowed me to feel comfortable with my body as a trans person, right? Um, as a person who... Um, hasn't on hasn't undergone a sex change yet you know that's something that i shy away from i don't like telling people all my fucking medical business you get me but on my podcast i'm gonna talk about it um it's, it's one of those things where um you know that, that that's such a private part of who we are right but in the conversation of sex positivity i just i just want to talk about how it took a while for me to start appreciating my body and appreciating myself and um there's still things that I want to do surgery-wise and shit like that, and I'm not going to really discuss all that with y'all. But, you know, um, it's a journey. It's an ongoing journey of self-love. And and we do things... Each, each trans person, we're different. We're not a monolith, right? But I say all that to say, let's get back to sex, right? Now, I, I, I say all that to say, <laughs> this ties to the point of men who dated me, right? I've, I've dated men who were cisgender, and... Um, they were like, look, I'm attracted to vaginas. So you're a beautiful woman, you're a cool ass person, but, and I like you and I'm attracted to you. I've, I've had guys say that to me. I've had guys be like, I'm so attracted to you. I think you're fine as fuck, you are beautiful, right? But if you don't have a vagina, if you don't have a vagina, that's a door breaker for me, right? Now, I can sit up here and be all hurt and be like, oh my God, he's transphobic, cancel his ass. No, but that's his, pre that, that's a valid preference in my book. I don't think he's transphobic because he likes vagina. Like I had a dude who I dated one time and he was like, damn, we really vibe like that. But I, I like, I like cootie cat. I like, put uh, you gotta have that poo. You gotta have good pussy, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta have a, you have to have a vagina, you know what I mean? And he was like, you know, I don't care if you were born with one or not. He was like, I just like vagina. So if, that's what I need downstairs. I can't get into a girl with something a little special down there. I can't get into it. You feel me? I have to respect it. We we don't talk anymore because that's that's his deal breaker. That's his preference. And when it comes to dating and sex and stuff like that, there are men who have men who love who love preoperative trans women. Actually, a lot of them do, by the way. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's just one of those things where you have. And then it's like when you date those kind of men, you have to figure out: okay, is he fetishizing me? Like, or does he does he really care for me and, and like me as a person? Or does he just like me because of what I got in my pants, child? He want, he want to do some things to it at night. He ain't trying to take me out on no date. He ain't trying to... Like the, like the recent guy who I dated. He running around here saying he a fucking trans advocate and shit like that. He's a trans amorous man. 
he is a tranny chaser. Yes, he is because he seeks trans women and you know cross-dressers and non-binary people who dress up and but they're not necessarily trans women per se they don't want to transition per se but they're like the you know they're non-binaries or cross-dressers or you know he seeks he see he seeks all trans people along the spectrum which is why i consider him a chaser because he has never had an actual relationship with a trans woman he's not seeking relationships with trans women he's very disrespectful of trans women he's 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 full of shit he's just out here being a fuck boy, but he doesn't really care about nurturing an actual healthy connection with a trans woman or someone along the trans spectrum, the, the person who I just got done dating who did some crazy ass shit, right? Um, you know, so it, what I'm trying to say, I hope you all are following, I know I'm all over the place. Well, what I'm trying to say is that I've gotten to a place where when it comes to sex positivity, I learned to start having sex that pleases me. And I've learned to only find men, or at least try, because I still make mistakes, try to find partners who respect me as a trans woman and they, and they respect my body and, and they hear me and they and they are pleasers and they want to help me in my pleasure. You get what I'm saying? Whether they're my boyfriend or not, or it's just a casual encounter or this is someone who I'm actually dating and so forth. Um, because you all know I'm a relationship girl. I'm such a hopeless romantic child. But, <laughs> you know, um, I've, had, I've had some fun with the boys. You know what I mean? And... Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, uh, it, it took a lot for me. And this is where self-love comes in with sex positivity. And, and, I'll, and I'm going to drag the LGBT community in a minute, y'all, because I have some issues with they ass. But this is where self-love comes in. You know, for the last, I would say, five, five years or so, I have been practicing that. You know, since I was like 24, 25, I've been trying my best to practice telling men what I like practice self-love with myself in the sense of what do I like when I'm alone? You feel me? Like, what, you know, because I, I know cis women, y'all gonna be like, oh my God, let's talk about it. Let's talk about masturbation. Look, this is a part of sex positivity too. What do you like to do when you're by yourself? Do you like to caress your nipples? Do you like to play with toys? Do you like to, you know, light a candle and massage yourself and not even touch yourself at all? You get me? Um, what do you like to do? How do you please yourself? That way you could tell your partner what you like in the bedroom. Because I, I know so many biological women who are with men who don't know how to eat pussy. They don't know how to eat vagina. They don't know how to fucking eat pussy. And, you know, <laughs> look, I'm just going to look. Oh, my God. I'm being so nasty. I'm being so explicit. Oh, my God. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but there are so many men who don't know how to please a woman orally. A woman with a vagina. You know, they don't know what they're fucking doing. And and women are afraid to say, hey, you know, do it this way, or I like it this way, you know, suck on the clit. You know, do it, do it this way. And you know, there are trans women who don't want to have, you know, what sucked. You know, and um, oh my, I'm being so explicit. Oh my god, my coworker's gonna listen to this shit. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is in my experiences of meeting cis women and trans women and having these real ass conversations, right? They're, for people who sleep with men, right? We're all trying to navigate pleasure. And I think that we have all just been so programmed, even gay boys who sleep with men too, you know, who are on the femme spectrum too, and non-binary people, we've all been so programmed to only serve men in the bedroom and do what they want. And all I'm saying is that I'm at a point in my life where I've I've been practicing, and I'm not perfect at all. I am not perfect, but what I'm saying is like, I've implemented ways to communicate in the bedroom and tell a guy, even if it offends him, right? Um, Say it in a certain way of like, you know, I, I like to be pleased like this or I like to be pleased like that. Um, and I still, I still have bad experiences, you guys, which is why I don't really have a lot of sex like that. Like, I, I do have sex here and there, but I have a pretty, pretty boring sex life for the most part. But, you know, I've been getting it in lately, though. Lately, I've been getting it in. How you doing? Okay. But, um... <laughs> Because, you know, when I hit 29, I was like, girl, I'm ready to have fun. Fuck this. I'm over here repressing myself. I'm over here. Because for me, I'm a relationship girl. And and this is where, this is why people call me a prude, right? This is especially gay people and trans, other trans gay people because they be out here fucking. Okay? They be out here fucking everything left and fucking right. Um, 
and bisexual woman and you know queer women have said that I was approved and shit like that. For me, I think that I'm very picky. I think I'm very selective, but and and, and also I'm very protective of myself. So that's where that comes from. So it's not that I'm approved. It's just that I've been through some. I've been through some fucked up shit with men. Um, so I'm very guarded about that. Um, and and I'm a relationship kind of girl. Like ideally, I really, I really would want, I really want to fall in love. So, for example, growing up um, as someone who, you know, transitioned and shit like that, I was assigned male at birth, but I've always felt like a woman. So, feeling like a girl on the inside and dealing with boys, being in school, like imagine growing up in school and feeling like you're a girl, but then the world is like you're a boy, and you know you like other boys, and then it's just kind of like fuck, like I really like him, but I'm a girl, but I'm not a girl, like physically yet, but on the inside I'm a girl, so I am a girl. And then it's like <laughs> growing up that way and then like getting teased and shit like that and then and then having crushes. Like I remember being in school and having crushes on guys, but then people are like, but you're a boy, so I have to go get a girlfriend. And I'm over here like dating a girl. It was just so fucking stupid. Like I'm over here trying to be someone who I'm not, you know? Um, because everyone is telling me who the fuck I am. Everyone is like, you're you're a boy, be a straight boy or be a gay boy. Like even in fucking high school, I fucking hated high school, but even in high school, that's when I kind of like broke out of my shell and I, I, I tapped into my hyper femininity because I, I knew I wanted to transition. I really did. But I was also very rebellious because so many people like my family, everyone was just so fucking judgmental of me being effeminate, right? So I was very rebellious in high school. I wore whatever the fuck I wanted to wear. I wore makeup. I wore crazy ass eyeliner. I wore fucking Mary J. Blige knee high boots. I wore combat boots. For all, for the listeners who who, were, who um, saw me in high school, y'all know who y'all are, okay? But in high school, I, I wore bangles. I wore lip gloss. I was just very. I was very in your face. I was very, um, because I, that was my way of expressing myself at that time because I didn't have the resources or the support to transition. You know what I mean? Like my family, my mom was so against me transitioning and like so transphobic and just a horrible fucking mother. And my father was a horrible fucking father. And my brothers and sisters did not understand me. They weren't supportive. And it just, it was a, it was a shit show. Like, cause I come from a very conservative background. You know, I come from a background of, put black people who are going to church on Sundays, but they still fucked up and they still sin just like everybody else. They still selling drugs, selling pussy, you know, working a nine to five, right? But that's where I come from. I come from a hood ass, you know, black family. And some of them are more conservative than, than others. You know, like one of my uncles, he is a preacher at a church. You know what I mean? So I have different, like I have hood family members <laughs> that I have bougie ones, okay? But I, I say all that to say is like navigating all of that it brought me to a place where I started to take control of what I wanted in my own sex life, even if I didn't have a partner. Because at first I was like running around here like, oh my God, I want a, I want a boyfriend. I just want to do all this stuff with my boyfriend, my lover. But then I was like, no, you don't really have to have a fucking boyfriend, bitch. Like, get, get out here and get it and have fun. You know, but, but still be safe because, you know, STIs are real. HIV is a real thing. And, you know, and now as a sexual health educator, because th that's what I do now. You know, now I work in HIV prevention for my nine to five now. So I, I, I'm a tester. I work in a clinic and stuff like that. And um, having that be my life now, it it's it, it's allowed me to be more comfortable just with myself. And, and you know, having these conversations, um, you know what I mean? So it just it just sucks when people write you off. Let's get back to the conservative part now. When people say shit like, oh, you're so conservative, you're so prudent. It's, and it's not even the, those two people who, who felt that way. It was, it was one person who said it, but it's, it's not necessarily them feeling that way about me. It's like people look at me and I, I have to understand that people are going to judge me and be like, oh, you know, you have all these standards and stuff like that. It's not a bad thing to have standards, you guys. You can still be a sex-positive person and have standards. That can exist at the same time. You can still be a sex-positive... You can still be a sex-positive person and not fuck five people a night. No judgment. 
You can still be a sex positive, sex positive person and not be a sex worker. You can, you like, you could still be that, right? And I, I don't know. I, I get so annoyed with other like gay and trans and non-binary people who criticize me in particular and say shit like, "Oh, you're not really for the girls," or "You don't really understand," or "You're not this, you're not that, you're a prude, you're this and you're that." And it's like, first of all, you don't know shit about me. You don't, you don't know shit about my sex life. You don't know what the fuck I fucking been through with men. You don't really know what I believe. You're just judging me based off of like a few conversations we had, but you don't really know what I believe about sex. You don't know how sex in some ways have been complicated for me as a trans woman, right? Dealing with cisgender men. Like literally it's been complicated in some circumstances, not in every single situation, but navigating sex has been complicated because, you know, I've had guys who, for example, I brought up the whole sex worker thing and how people view black trans women, right? There are times where I've hooked up with a dude and he'll be like, you're a sex worker. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a sex worker and I'll get offended. You know, I'll get, I'll get super offended. And it's no shade to sex workers. You get me? No shade at all. No shade at all to them. Because you gotta do what the fuck you gotta do to get your money. And I and I advocate for that, right? But I've had situations where guys have like stereotyped me in that way because I'm a trans girl and I'm black, you know? And it's kind of like, damn, I can't just be sexy. I just can't be me. Like, why do you have to like write me off that way? I remember, I remember I dated one guy. I had dated this one man. He was older than me. He was at the time I was 26. He was 38. He was 38 at the time when I was 26 years old. So he's what, 12 years older than me? But we were dating and he he would always make comments about me having a sugar daddy because when I met him, I was in college and I, I was driving my car and I was paying all my own bills and stuff. And he would be like, you know, how do you have a car and you live in LA and you go to UCL? Like, how, how are you affording all this stuff? You got a sugar daddy? And he would always like joke. And, and sometimes we would argue and he would accuse me of having men um, support me financially. And, it, and it, it would really offend me because I, I'm the type of bitch, I get it out the mud. And and there's no, by the way, as I say this, I ain't judging a bitch who got a sugar daddy because I want one, bitch, okay? <laughs> so if you, look, I want one, I need one. It's hard out here paying all these fucking bills. But what I'm saying is that my work ethic, I'm someone who, I work really, really hard for everything that I have. I get it out the mud, you know? I had scholarships. I didn't have a full ride to fucking college, but I had scholarships, I had student loans, like all of us, you get me? Um, I busted my fucking ass off to get through college. I worked every fucking shitty job. I fucking worked at call centers. I worked in the housing at fucking at UCLA and dealt with their stupid asses at the fucking housing office at UCLA. I fucking worked um, in retail. I, you know, like I've worked every fucking job under the fucking sun. <laughs> you know, so it's that's why I would get offended when he would say that about me because I'm like, no, I work hard for everything I have. So don't try to write me off and be like, a man is helping. It's like, no, like, I wish I had that help. Like, do you have a fear of me being, do you have a fear of me wanting you for your money? Because he he would always kind of like allude to that when we would argue sometimes. He'd be like, you know, you just want my money and shit like that. Or, and I'm like, no, like I don't. Like I genuinely want a relationship. So stop writing me off. I work hard. You know, and it, it was just such a fucked up thing because I think he was used to dating trans women who only wanted him for money, right? So, and I'm not mad at those girls who get women for money because these men waste our time. These men come to us and they use us and they leave. So it's like, why not fucking get some money or make sure your fucking bills are paid? Don't, don't, you know what I'm saying? Why not? So I get it 100%. But I say all that to say that if someone has standards, they can still be sex positive, you guys. <laughs> okay so th so those are my views on sex positivity you know for me i define sex positivity as someone who is open to having conversations in a positive light about sex that surround them how they have sex in their own personal life um that concerns sexual health with their partners and with themselves um that 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 concerns their sexual identity and, and their and their gender expression their sex their sexual sexual uh, expression um also too it, it just it, it facilitates a dialogue for people to communicate about what they like and who they are in their private sex life right so just because my sex life may not mirror you know, yours or someone who does sex work or someone who does those things does not mean that I'm not a sex positive person. Does not mean that I'm judgmental of sex workers because I'm not. And, you know, for me in, in LA dealing with LGBTQ people, I get really fucking irritated with them because they, they always write me off 
as being someone who's judgmental and approved because of how I carry myself. And this is what I want to fucking say on my show. If you are a trans or a gay person or whoever the fuck you are and you know me in real life, just because my life doesn't directly reflect yours does not mean that I'm judging you and how you have sex. It does not mean that I... It doesn't mean any of that. I have my own fucking life. (laughs) I live my own life. And I, I have sex when I want to have sex. And um, I'm still navigating that too. For example, when one of the people recently said I was conservative, I was like, you know, well, I'm I'm a young woman trying to figure this out. And they were like, well, you're so conflicted with sex. And I was all like, well, yeah, I am. I do have my conflicts at times because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm someone who's a hopeless romantic. So when it comes to hookup culture, I have struggled with that. And I, and I, I have had to desensitize myself and turn it off emotionally because I really, really would love a partner one day. That's something that I want in my life. And yeah, it might not come to me because of who I am. You don't really see a lot of black trans women fall in love. You don't really see that every fucking day. And the ones who do fall in love, they are blessed to have it. And you know, and, and love is one of those things that, that's very elusive for a woman like me, who's transgender and black. Even black cis women have a hard time falling in love too. Black biological woman. They have a hard time falling in love too. Love is a very elusive thing. You know, it, and, I, and I got that from Diamond Styles, by the way. But um, elusive in the sense that it feels like it's so hard to reach because of the world and the, and the society that we live in and how men are, men are afraid to love a woman like me, right? I had to understand that in my life, I might not find it. I might not find it, you know? But I still want to have pleasure. I still want to love myself as well. And do the work because I actually do the work on loving myself, you know. So, 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 so when people criticize me, it's just like you know, y'all don't fucking understand the work that I've done to get to this point and love myself. You don't know shit about what I fucking been through to sit up here and fucking criticize me and my sex life and my love life and my private life. So those are my views on sex positivity. <laughs> so, um, and that's not aimed at one person. That's aimed at several people that I've that I've met in the LGBTQ community who are also trans and gay and shit like that, who have said shit about me. Um, and even cis women and queer women who have said stuff about me, like, you're so this and you're so that. And it's like, you know, I just carry myself a certain way. But, you know, like, fuck, like, we we all can exist and, and how it looks for me is different from you. And I still respect you and I'm not fucking judgmental. So stop projecting and slapping that on me and everybody just do their thing. Shit. Thank you for tuning in to this beautiful episode of the Perfect Blend Podcast. Share this episode when I post it. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I hope you enjoyed it. It's very long, but I really hope, I really, really hope you enjoyed this. It'll be two parts. I love you so much, and you'll hear from me soon. Take care.